If God is perfect, give him a hand. We are so happy to be here with you this morning. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Uh, we love the Red Door, and um, it's just a blessing to be here this morning. Welcome this morning. Happy Father's Day to all our fathers uh, here this morning, to all that are watching also. Uh, I am a father. I have uh, four children, and uh, uh, I, I, I admit that uh, it's a lot better fathering when they're adults already. Because <laughs> when they're children, man, let me tell you, it's a, it's a battle. It's a struggle. Here's my, here's my, my tribe right here. Uh, married off my last daughter, Julia, last year, and Eric. She married a great man of God. Um, uh, Alyssa's uh, having our second baby. That's Elena. That's Chris. Uh, Pastor Nahum, he's uh, helping us out at Lifehouse. Pastor Kayla, my daughter, and our two grandsons, Zion and Judah. And Andy, my son, is uh, 36, and Vanessa, his beautiful wife. They've been married for 15 years. Let me tell you something. When my oldest, Andy, was born in 1986, it was a feeling of new hope for me. That, that day I was beginning, uh, I began the pressure of becoming a father that day. I I found out that on Mother's Day, you can find a restaurant to celebrate Mother's Day all over. You, c you can find a restaurant on Mother's Day, but on Father's Day, you, there, there have many restaurants available. There's a lot of restaurants available today. On Mother's Day, you can't find one. From the beginning, the, en the enemy's intention has always been to destroy manhood. So today, I want to celebrate every father because God gave us his powerful name, which is fathers. You have, the, you have a powerful name, fathers. And he loves us. For those of you who, who never knew your father or had an, had an absentee father, I'm here to tell you that you have an eternal father who loves you so much that, and that he died for you. For those of you that your father is in heaven and you're, you're, you are a legacy he left and his blood gives you the identity as a son or daughter, this morning I want to answer the question, fathers, what would you do for your children? What would you do for your children? You can talk about me all you want, but when you talk about, when you mess with my kids, we're going to have some problems. When Andy, my son, was born, a new responsibility was born inside of me. I started to understand my, my responsibilities as a father. My problem was I, I also started to see all my faults and dysfunctions as a man that I would pass on to my son, which is pride, self-centeredness explosiveness, aggressiveness. I, I found out I wasn't the only uh, uh, hard-headed father. It started since Adam and Eve. But when Christ came into my life, everything changed. I learned that being hard-headed and understanding your biblical masculinity were so different. I, I, I carried my, my father's pride, my, my father's explosiveness with me. I, I, I was taught that, that, that to, uh, not to show emotion as a man, and that's why it's, it was hard for me to emotionally connect to people. Imagine being the father God wants you to be this morning. Many men don't know how to be husbands or fathers, and they have wives and children and grandchildren, but, but they don't act like a good father or a good husband. So why do I say that? Because it's not easy to follow Christ. It's hard. It's not easy to follow Christ. We, we, are, we are struggling with our own dysfunctions as men that it's not easy to be spiritual leader of our homes. And I believe that, that that's why so many women take the role of spiritual leadership in their homes. But at one point, you will have to man up 
and step into leadership, man. If that's going to happen, we will need to know what the Holy Bible says about being a father. And maybe, maybe you come from a home that, of a terrible example of your, of your parents. Where not, maybe they weren't believers. There was no faith in Christ. Nobody showed you how to be a father. I, 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 wanna, I want you to understand what, what, what does it mean, biblical masculinity? How, how does it look? What does it mean biblically? It, it's, it's manhood. It, it's, it's a deep feeling of responsibility inside of a man to lead, to cultivate, to protect, to guide in, in, in his circle of influence that models Christ. Now, every woman is looking for this, for, for, for this in every man. Every woman is looking for this. Someone who can be responsible, lead his family. Someone who can, be a, who, who can cultivate, protect, and guide in his home. And, and, and if you live with this man, he has got to be totally dedicated to God first. There are women who are sitting here that, that are still waiting for that. Or maybe you're listening and you're still waiting for that. Fathers, if, if we're going to be this man, we have to take a step this morning. Barna put on a, a, a stat that over 60% of Christians are women. 60% of Christians are women. Many, many believe Christianity is for women and children only. Many men don't come to church because they have believed the lies of the enemy that the church is, is for weaklings because life is about power and dominance, being a macho man. Needless to say, every morning our, 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 our churches are, are full of women and kids that are, that are abused from anger, verbal abuse, physical abuse, uh, emotional abuse. And, and they see all the ugliness of life in their homes. But, but the father is not present in the lives of his kids. And, and let me tell you something, uh, men, this is dysfunctional in us. In the middle of pride and logic, you find masculinity. God wants every man to be responsible to live in the image of God. And, and it's, it's not important what I think. It's important what the Word of God says. And this is what it says. I don't say this. The Word of God says this. Genesis 1, and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, so God made man in his image with the capacity to rule over. In, in the days we live in, it's, it's the other way around. Society does not support the masculine man. It supports the feminine man. On TV, the image of father knows best has turned out to father knows nothing. He is the last one to find out in his home what's going on. Because no one trusts him. The father is depicted as ignorant, disconnected, no leadership, and worse than, than, than not connected emotionally with his kids. There's no respect. In, Fre in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, dad is a deadbeat, never keeping his promise, and, and, and never being there. In reality, society is eliminating the father figure. Society is eliminating us. Men, we are becoming extinct. God is saying, get back to ruling with humility, with love and forgiveness. So, so, so the man that shows up conquers, walks in victory in every area in his life. And this is biblical. 
I prefer to believe in God than society. So we take the position of fatherhood serious in a serious way. So I have a question for you. How do you know if you're a father who's willing to do anything for his family? How do you know if you're a father who's willing to do anything for his family? There's only one biblical answer. A father that's controlled by the spirit and not by the flesh. What separates the father who's winning in his home and losing in his home? He, li he lives under the control of the Holy Spirit. I love what Paul says in Romans 8, 5 through 8. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. 6 says that the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do it so. so those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So men, if your life is not controlled by the Holy Spirit, you will, have, you will live a life that's controlled by your emotions. There's nothing worse than a man that's controlled by his emotions, by his anger, by fear, by frustration, by hurt, by past pain. Whatever you feel, that leads to, that leads to defeat. It, it leads to regret only, only to please yourself. A man that lives by the flesh becomes a passive father. He is a follower, not a leader. Why? Because he follows his flesh. The spiritual-led uh, man makes solid decisions, and the passive man can't make decisions. This, this mandate of masculinity is here this morning. God has placed you as the head of your family. And, and we're, we're, with, with sin, we lose it. We feel worn out and discouraged as fathers, and we dis disengage, and it gets worse. And you're living with regret, and you, regret, and you feel f you, you failed in life when, when with God you retake that again. I want to show you the difference between the spiritual man and the, and the carnal man. The carnal man is independent. I'm independent. I, I, I don't want nobody to tell me anything. I'm independent. I do things on my own. I don't need nobody to say anything to me. The spiritual man is interdependent. I depend on accountability. I need people to help me. I'm struggling. I, I don't want the, the independent man that doesn't want to show he's weak. He doesn't want. He has. He just weak. The, the 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 carnal man is prideful. The humble man is, is humble. The focus. The the carnal man is focused on the physical, on the outside. The spiritual man is focused on spiritual stuff. Uh, the, the, the carnal man looks for the sword. I, I, I'm going to fight you. you uh, I mean, I, I'll start something out of nothing. I'm angry at life. I didn't have a father. I'm a, I'm a carnal man. The, the spiritual man looks for the towel. Let me wash your feet. Let me serve you. The carnal man looks to justify himself in everything. He always justifies his actions. The spiritual man looks for justice. The carnal man imposes his will. The spiritual man imposes God's will. The carnal man is immature and insecure. The spiritual man is mature and secure in himself. The carnal man walks in fear. The spiritual man walks in faith. The carnal man, uh, when offended, stays offended. The spiritual man, uh, when offended, he forgives. The carnal man dishonors all. The spiritual man honors everyone. The carnal man rejects authority. The spiritual man recognizes and submits to authority. Look, look what 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says. It says, be on guard, man. Stand firm in your faith in God. 
act like mature men and be courageous and be strong. Let me tell you something. Real men serve Christ. If you're watching uh, young fathers, if you're wrestling with your spiritual life, you are not alone. If you're wrestling with your marriage, you're not alone. If you're wrestling with your father, being a father, you're not alone. God wants you to make the greatest commitment in your life. And the Holy Spirit is here this morning to help you make that. But, but, but you, you, you must take the first step, surrender to him. Have you ever thought, what is my responsibility as a father in my home? What is my responsibility? Number one, God expects you to lead your family. Very simple, not very complicated. God expects you to lead your family. That's an easy statement, but man, it is so hard to do. Why is this important? The primary role that God gave man is to be a leader. And that means you're the greatest example your kids will ever see. You're the greatest example your kids will ever see. He expects you to lead with humility. 50% of, of our kids will continue to assist church if mom takes them. But if papa is the example and attends church regularly, 55% of our kids will continue to serve God. The enemy is robbing, is robbing us. Why? Because our wives are not seeing us take up our spiritual leadership. So they are taking the lead. And that's messing up God's order. When I give, when I give marital counseling to a lot of couples, to, uh, to husbands, the husband, the first thing he says is, Pastor, I didn't do anything. I say, that's the problem. <laughs> You've done nothing. I say, that's the problem. So what happened to Adam and Eve continues with us. Eve sinned, Adam did nothing, and it continues. When men are not the leaders or take spiritual responsibility, there's chaos in the relationship, in the home with the children, and everyone suffers. Write this down. If I'm not leading my kids to Christ with my example, I'm ruining them through my bad example. Number two, God expects the father to, be a cult of, to cultivate his family. God expects the father to cultivate his family. People who know how to cultivate know how to grow things. All the great innovations in the last 25 years have been, been by men. This morning we have incredible businessmen listening in here this morning. Innovators, you have done an incredible job in growing your business, but listen to me this morning. You will never reach greatness until you have had the honor of creating and raising kids. God expects you to grow your family. If you do nothing, if you do nothing, look what happens. Proverbs 24, 30 and 34. Since I walked past the field that belonged to a lazy man. It was a vineyard that belonged to someone who understood nothing. And look what happens when, when you don't grow what God has put in your hands, in your family. Bad things grow. 31 says weeds we're growing everywhere. Wild vines covered the ground, and the, and the wall around the vineyard was broken and falling down. I looked at this and thought about it. This is what I learned. A little sleep, a little rest, folding of your arms and taking a nap. And these things will, will make you poor very quickly. Soon you will have nothing. This is the, the absentee father who is doing nothing. He doesn't cultivate, was impatient, didn't wait for nothing to grow. He wanted everything now. I want it now. It's all about me. He was self-centered, 
The atmosphere in his home was a joke. Bad example, nothing healthy was to, uh, to grow. If you're trying to grow children that, that, that grow healthy marriages, it will take your full dedication and example to the next generation. If you try to grow a family or a business without Christ, look for failure. Because Adam and Eve sin, nothing turns out right. So, so I, I want you to know being a leader and a cultivator in your house is difficult. It's not easy. But the same passion you put in your growing business is more important to grow your wife. I want to talk to Brother Cultivator out there. When you cultivate your family, it's what comes out of your mouth and how you live your life as a cultivator. All of us, all of this is a byproduct of when you live and grow spiritually. When you are, you're going to cultivate flowers, you remove the weeds, you're intentional. You water them, you fertilize them, you're intentional every step. And, and many come with a marriage problems and they say, what happened? What happened to my wife? What happened? Nobody cultivated nothing. Weeds grew, wild vines broke in relationship. That was non-existent. God, uh, could, could not, you couldn't connect emotionally with nobody. You didn't water nothing. Man up. Cultivate your family. Understand the purpose of every member of your family. Your wife will prosper from your voice, man. Your wife will grow. She will flourish from your words. Your words are cultivating. Your words of life are powerful. Your communication will be like water to a dry plant. Your kids will prosper because you cultivated them. You waited for them. You were patient with them. You let them make mistakes and get back up. You were there with them. What comes out of your mouth cultivates life because there is life in your words. God, God gave fathers the power to declare realities through the words that come out of your mouth. Number three, God expects the father to fight for his family. Nehemiah 4.14 says, fight for your families. Fight for your home. Fight for your children. We're in a fight right now with our society. We're losing our kids. We're losing our grandkids. Warriors fight, protect their wives and children. Fathers, we were made to be champions of truth. Always look for the truth in the word of God. If you don't fight the enemy, you will fall to all his lies. If you don't know the truth, the enemy will destroy you. He will make you think that your family is your enemy when they're not. 2 Corinthians 6.6 6 says, We demonstrate who we are by living blameless lives in the knowledge of God with a great deal of patience, being kind, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, showing sincere love. We speak truthfully, living in the power of God. Our weapons consist of what is true and right. We attack with the right hand, and we defend with the left hand. This is a difficult battle. Why? Because we, are, we have a lot of friendly fire. We're shooting ourselves down. We're shooting our kids down. We're shooting our wives down. The person who I thought I would get some love, the person I thought who I would get a, uh, just an honest conversation with is the one shooting me down. Friendly fire. We are our worst enemies. I've got to defeat the enemy that lives in my mind, in, in me, in my mind. I've got to see the bad father I was in the past. 
to become the spiritual father that God is calling me to be this morning. Got to crucify that guy. Galatians 5.24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified their corrupt nature along with his passions and desires. Here lies the biggest struggle with men who cannot crucify their desires. I would rather marry a woman 30 years younger than me because I feel I still got it. Really? Who told you that? Who told you you still got it? Because you ain't got nothing without Jesus. All you got is following your carnal man. And when you follow the carnal man, let me tell you something, that leads to death. We contrapt all these ideas in our minds that we still got it. If you ain't got Jesus guiding your, your ship, your, your home, your family, your marriage, you ain't got nothing. Who leaves his family and goes out with another woman 30 years young? Who does that? The enemy can destroy you and your marriage and your wife and your kids, and he's done a good job. Carnal men versus spiritual men. Understand who God has called you to be. Man, man was created to protect, to fight to cultivate, to lead his family, and you live in a battleground. All of us live in this battleground. Your family are prisoners spiritually. The demonic powers are controlling our culture. You need to divine power. I, I wish I had 200 men who knew how to fight the spiritual battles. I wish I had 200 men. Fight for your home. Don't run. Don't run away from your responsibilities of, as a leader. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. This is what separates the, uh, the defeated carnal man and, and, and that lives and, and, and it, it from the spiritual man. I want to say something this morning. I, I really, single mothers, you are my heroes. Because you have a, you're living with a husband that hasn't picked up a spiritual leadership. You're living with a husband that ha doesn't, hasn't taught his kids how to pray. And you're living with a husband that's absentee. That you're there, but you're a bump on a log. I want to motivate you and inspire you this morning, men, to be the man that God has called you to be, man up. It's time to change. It's time to, to, to break out of your shell and be the man that God has called you to be. You've had, women have had to pick up the, the lack of leadership and raise their kids. And please don't get tired, women. Please don't get tired. The last responsibilities of a father, number four, God expects the father to give solid biblical advice to his family. Your son needs biblical advice on, on masculinity and how to be a man. And more than advice, he needs somebody to model it. In our culture, we, th we think that masculinity is, is sending our son off to go sleep with a prostitute. That'll make him a man. It will make him a man. Masculinity is the example that your father gives by how he lives his life. And when he lives his life in responsibility of his wife and his kids, and he provides for the home, and he teaches you how to work, and he teaches you how to love Jesus, through his example, your daughter needs biblical wisdom about sex. If a, if a son does not receive wisdom from his father, it, it, it will be hard to receive it from his mother because, because he, sees her as, uh, he sees her as weak. No one can replace your voice, dad. No one. 
No one can replace your voice. If they don't receive it in, in, in other, in, in, it'll receive it from other negative influences. It'll replace your voice. Your voice is powerful. Proverbs 2.2 2 says, turn your ear towards wisdom and stretch your mind towards understanding. Call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. Come knowledge and understanding. So the majority of men don't enjoy masculinity. They never reach their masculine potential as men because they can't understand the wisdom of God. And that's where dad comes in. I want to end this message with three realities that destroy fathers. If you're going to destroy your masculinity, number one, blame everyone. Blame everyone. I'm this way because you did this. I'm this way because of this. Adam blamed God and Eve. Carnal fathers very seldom take responsibility. We blame our fathers. We blame our God. God made me this way. No, he didn't. He gave you an option. And if you're struggling this morning with that option, that option is Jesus. He says, I'll give you all the knowledge and wisdom that you need, but stop blaming people. Don't follow your passions. Our wives, uh, maybe it's, it's uh, my wife. It, it, I'm blaming my wife. I'm blaming the economy. I'm blaming the government. I'm blaming the church. It's everyone's fault. A great man has self-awareness and takes responsibility. Man up. Be the man that God is calling you to be. Your role as a spiritual leader is to take ownership. Everything in your home ends with you. Number two, if you want to kill masculinity, abuse. Abuse. When we are not making excuses, we fight with God. And all of this struggle, you're really fighting with God. You don't want to give him your heart as a father, as a husband. You're struggling with that. You're fighting with God. Men that don't understand their masculinity will take advantage of weak people. They understand your fight is, is against yourself. Deal with your sin this morning. You're carrying a father's wound, and like the world says, you got daddy issues. You have daddy issues, and you, haven't, you don't want to admit it. Number three, we avoid confrontation. If I want to kill my masculinity, I just avoid confrontation. 52% of kids will go to sleep without a father tonight. And it's easy for a child or a young man to never know spiritual masculinity. We have the generation of young men who avoid confrontation. And it's normal to isolate themselves. They, these young men are locking themselves up in their rooms. And they see pornography and play Xbox video games all night. And we blame abuse, society. Yet in the middle of all our dysfunction, God somehow uses our brokenness. As fathers, and create something beautiful. Have you ever seen your son or your daughter, and you just gaze at them, and you think in your mind, how did you come out so good when I'm so bad? How did you come out so smart? My mom always told Narcy, my wife, George, your four kids, are, they're smart because of Narcy, not because of you. You got a, you got a brain of a potato. <laughs> My mom knew me. My mama knew me. <laughs> but when you start to understand that God is here to tell you and to challenge you and to motivate you, Dad, you didn't do everything wrong. 
He did it. There's a story of, a, of two pots. I love this story. It's a story of my life. As a father, I've been broken. It says a water barrier in India had two large pots, each hung on each end of the pole, which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it, and while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water, at the end of the long walk from the stream to the master's house, the cracked pot arrived only half full. And for a full two years, this went on daily when the barrier delivery, bear delivering only one and a half pots full of water to his master's house. Of course, a perfect pot was proud of his accomplishments, perfect to the end for which, for which he, he was made. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfections and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what had been made to do. After two years of what it, it, it perceived to be a bitter failure, it spoke to the water barrier, bearer, and one day by the stream, I'm ashamed of myself, and I want to apologize to you, the bearer asked. Why? Why are you ashamed of? The, the pot replied, for these past two years, I, I, I'm able to deliver only half of my load because this crack on my side causes water to leak out, and all the way back to your master's house, because of my flaws, you don't get a full value of your efforts. The water bearer felt sorry for the old crackpot, and in his compassion, he says, as we turn to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. And as they went up the hill, the old crackpot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wildflowers in the side of the path. And this cheered it somewhat, but in the end of the trial, it still felt bad because it had leaked out of uh, out half its load. And so again, he apologized to the bearer for his failure. And the bearer said to the pot, did you see that there were flowers on only on your side of your path, but not on the other pot side? That's because I have always known about your flower. And I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path. And every day while we walk back from the stream, you, you watered them. For two years, I have been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being cracked, he would not have the beauty of grace. Without you being cracked, he wouldn't have made those beautiful children. Maybe... If you're listening this morning, maybe your, your father was never involved in your life. Maybe you never met your father. I want to say something on his behalf. I want to stand here in his place. I've given counseling to many men. And they have shared, I, I want to speak for that father that, that didn't treat you right as a child. That never told you he loved you. And I, I want to say from the bottom of, it, of his heart that he loved you. Even though he didn't show it, he abandoned you, I've come to tell you he loved you. But he didn't know how to demonstrate it. For all the pain, the suffering, the failures, and the guilt, and the abuse, and the loneliness, and the rejection, the insecurity, he carried more from his father's emotion of the abuse. Maybe... Sexual abuse, or he was afraid to love you. 
afraid to understand you. There is a great woman who tells her story, and I heard it. Her name is Sheila Walsh. I was listening to her testimony where she, she moves from city to another city, and as soon as she got to the other city, she start, looks for a doctor to fill her prescription. So she went to the doctor's office to get her prescription, and as she got it, the doctor asked her, he said, What's the, well, that's a strong medication, that's for depressed, you're depressed. She says, I am. She says, my father abused me as a little girl, verbally. And as she started to walk away, the doctor asked her, how many in your family? She goes, I'm in the middle of my sister and my brother. And she started to walk away. He says, sometimes the father abuses the child that he knows will forgive him. Maybe you've been abused verbally. The father abuses the one child that knows will forgive him. There isn't a man alive who doesn't want to understand his kids. A man who doesn't understand himself, who doesn't love himself, always will be difficult to love his kids. I'm not saying this to take the blame from him. I say it so you won't live this life with the why. Why did my father do this? It's impossible for a man that abandoned his family not feel the deep brokenness. I want to let you know God never abandons his family. And he won't abandon you. So why do I say all of this in this day? Because God wants you to forgive him this morning. God wants you to forgive your father and move on with your life. Don't live one second with the deep pain of your father. I know this is a bad day for some people, for a lot of children. You have an anger problem. You have all these issues, dysfunctional issues going inside of you, and it's ruined your relationship. But God wants you to fix your daddy problem first. When God sees a father reject his family, it breaks his heart. I say this with the hope that you will be different. God is ready to heal you this morning. I love what Isaiah 49, 26 says through the message. He says, I'm the one who's on your side. I'm defending your cause. I'm rescuing your children. Then everyone will know that I, God, have saved you. I, the mighty one of Jacob. So God brought you to listen to this message. Maybe the pain from your father has kept you paralyzed spiritually. Maybe the pain from your father has ruined your marriage, your relationship, but God wants you free today. Maybe you're, you're a father here and you feel that you have really blown it in so many areas. And I'm going to do something that I don't know if the Red Door's ever done. But I want to do it. They might not invite me back, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm going to ask all the fathers if they can come up here. Please come. I want to pray for you. 
I love you, and I want to pray for you. I thank God for all my failures as a father because they made me the man that I am today. I love every one of my kids, but I took that mentality of uh, James Dobson. It's not the things that you say sometimes that raises your kids. It's how you live your life. There's an old Spanish story of a father and a son in Spain that had a big fight, a lot of passion for a Spaniard. They insulted each other. The son insulted the father, and the father insulted the son. The son ran away. The father searched for him for months, but couldn't find him. You ever lost a son? Because you said something, you did something, and it broke your hearts, and both of you were stubborn. Father searched for months and didn't find him. Father uh, gets smart, and he says, I'm going to put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. And the ad said, Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at 12 o'clock on Saturday. And the next words were powerful. He put all his forgiven... I love you, your father. On Saturday morning at 12, the father got there. There was 800 Pacos. 800 of them looking for the love from the father. 800 of them. Man, can you say with me this morning, I am Paco. I am Paco. I need the Father's forgiveness because I have made so many mistakes. So I want to pray for you this morning. Father, bless these fathers. I am Paco. I need your forgiveness this morning. My conscience is eating me up throughout the years, Lord. I've been struggling with my son and my daughter or my adopted son. Or my son or my daughter from my wife's side. Father, I have messed up royally. My self-centeredness, my words, my actions. Father, I cannot change the past. But today I start a new chapter in my book as a father. I want to live free. I want to live in peace. I don't want to have the past torment me anymore. Father, I want to bless my kids. I want to give them whatever they need. And I want to be an example to them, Father. And I want to be like Paco's father who says, all is forgiven. I forgive you, God says this morning, and I love you. And you were the crackpot that you didn't do everything wrong. Through the, the things of your life, through your decisions, you didn't do everything wrong. There's things in you that you did that blessed a lot of people, that blessed your kids. And we are so grateful that our kids 
got the good in us and not the bad. And we're so grateful for godly women that raised our kids that were there for them to put the example to cover my image of a father that was failing. My wife took the high road and she covered my reputation as a father. She was there to cover me, to let the kids know he'll be better. He's going to act better. He'll be back. He's going to do things that he's never done. You wait. I, I have hope in him. Lord, this morning, take the best out of me. Shake me up. And forgive me for my past. I want to start a new chapter in this father book. I want to man up. I want to teach my kids and my grandkids about masculinity. I will not lose my grandkids to the passions of this world. I will show them through my example what a, man, a godly man looks like. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. If you believe this, give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Thank you.